Welcome to everybody to the Footy Rambles. Thank you so much for joining us with myself, the host, Johnny Keefe, Jonathan Keefe, Johnny, whichever one you fancy. And then, as always, my co-host, the guy that knows more about football than me. That doesn't say too much, to be fair. Sorry about that, mate. But it's, of course, Callum Castano over. How are you doing, sir? You well? Yeah, good, thank you. Not bad. Good day of football. It was a wonderful day of football today. Um, I'm going to start off by apologising to uh, to the millions of listeners that we do have. I haven't been able to watch as much of football as I would want to this weekend, simply because I've been at a wedding. I have been poorly. I've been on daddy daycare for half days, full days, etc. Okay, maybe not full days. That's a bit harsh, but I, you know, half a day. It's just not been a weekend full of football um, like it sometimes is. So, Callum. I'd say, as always, to be fair, you're going to be carrying the show. Yeah, well, I mean, beauty and the brains, really. Ah, well, that's debatable. Let's put it out there. <laughs> that's a poll for another time, isn't it, though? So let's get straight <laughs> into it, though. Um, we, we're going to start with one of the games today. And of course, it is West Ham and Manchester United. So it's obviously West Ham 1, Man United 2, goals from Benrahma, Ronaldo and Lingard. Uh, there was, of course, a penalty save as well from De Gea, um, which was actually a good penalty, but it was an outstanding save. Um, but Callum, give us your analysis. Yeah, I... I've actually done a match report on this game. So I was I was writing my article from the start of the game to the finish. So I was actually quite intensely into it. Um, the first half was a bit um, back and forth. Both teams had a bit of a uh, bit of a go at each other. And then um, it was just Ben Rama who managed to, it, it was a big deflection, but he scored. Um, it was going to the top right corner. It wrong footed the hair to the left corner and it came from Bowen um, the assist because they uh, they were out without Antonio and you could kind of tell a bit but Bowen was covering that middle part um, for Antonio and he'd done well caused a lot of problems and yeah West Ham scored the first goal, took the lead and then five minutes later who else but Cristiano Ronaldo to score um, it was it a good ball been, by Bruno I must say the shot that he initially had would have been a cheeky goal but in yeah. Ronaldo style he put in his um, he put in his own deflection didn't he which was uh, well it was a poacher's goal quite simply but you know what he, he, you know the goals rack up for him for that reason um, what I must say was disappointing was none of the defenders reacted to it whatsoever no. Well, that's the thing as well. I noticed that with his goal against Newcastle, he kind of, he is the quickest um, reactor to, to anything like that. He was running to score the rebound in the Newcastle game before the Newcastle defenders even knew what was going on. So he's done it again. He was, uh, he was hot on his own um, rebound and he scored. Um, and that's uh, three in two games and four in three, including Europe. So he's on fire for United um, and he should have had a penalty towards the end, which we'll get onto in a second. But um, that was that for the first half. It was quite even. I mean, Man United had seven shots on target in the first half, which I think is the most shots on target for a Premier League team in one half, but they weren't leading, which I think is kind of telling towards their attacking prowess now, but they're still vulnerable. And I think they do lose a lot of midfield battles, which brings the other team on. Um, Fred and McTominay today were back in the pivot and um, West Ham could take advantage of that. But then <clears throat> the second half came around and I was just, I said I was doing the match report and I didn't have to report anything for quite a while. Um, there was nothing going on until Yarmolenko came on, a few attacks for West Ham, and then Man United made their substitutions, uh, brought on Sancho and Lingard. And then Matic came on <clears throat> and I thought, oh, Matic is that's a bit defensive. Um 
but it was for Fred, so it was kind of like for like. Yeah. And then he set up Lingard in the 89th minute, which well, is let's just... Let's have a quick appreciation post for that as well. Great goal, you know, didn't celebrate oh. because he's got so much respect for them. You know, they helped his career to be reignited, if you like. And I think it's fair to say a lot of people will have been surprised that he didn't move there permanently, um, myself included. But yeah. Um, yeah, outstanding goal, great goal. Yeah, oh, great goal. Worthy of winning a match as well. And he didn't want to celebrate, but Ronaldo and Fernandez were forcing him into the crowd. Um, so that's the kind of desire they want from their teammates as well as someone to just just give their all to the Man United fans, even though sometimes they don't give their all to Lingard. But um, then what, what it was in the last five minutes, well, the last the stoppage time after that was just carnage. Um, West Ham should have probably had a penalty before... Things kind of um, things kind of kicked into gear. I think Suchek was fouled by Wambasaka, and then um, <clears throat> it got given as a foul against Suchek. Um, so then it looked like Ronaldo was fouled by Kufal. It was it was a bit soft, but in the terms of a foul, it did look like a foul. So I'm not too sure if that was a definite foul, but I think that was the ref then going, "Okay, I've not given one, so I won't give the other." Yeah, and then. Ronaldo flew past Kurt Zuma. Zuma puts his back uh, hand into Ronaldo's back. So that's when Ronaldo starts falling and then just slices across Ronaldo, doesn't touch the ball. As stonewall a penalty as I've ever seen in my life. Um, <clears throat> and the referee just, just waves play on. West Ham go up the other end. Yarmolenko puts a cross in. Shaw puts his hand out. Penalty. Might as well have been up West. there, you know. It was... Yeah, uh, <laughs> yeah. I it's, mean, it's definitely a penalty. Yeah, I mean, there was no arguments from Shaw because, well, quite frankly, it was in an... Not, that's the thing. It's, it's To keep yourself balanced, it's not in a natural position. But at the same time, it was right out of his side, you know. He needs to, he needs to take a bit of a... Uh, a leaf out of the Chelsea handbook by the sounds of it, where all the hands are behind the back when they're in the penalty box. And, and to be fair, one of those situations where it just needed to happen, but hey-ho. Uh, and then like we say, the penalty decision went um, went obviously to West Ham um, after a quick VAR check. And, and you just think to yourself, well, if the Kurt Zuma instance wasn't, you know, how was that not VAR checked? Well, exactly. It didn't even get checked by VAR. He didn't even it didn't even sniff it, which for me is just outrageous because he didn't touch the ball in the slightest, and he just chopped Ronaldo. It was a few instances. Um, I, th- I think there was a few instances where Man United could have had a penalty, and that was the most stone wall. But then, yeah, West Ham had their penalty right, and I don't know if you watched this, but Mark Noble got subbed on to take the penalty. Um, got subbed on for Jared Bowen, I think it was. No, I didn't um, see so that's just hilarious. <laughs> yeah, so there you go. So Mark Noble wasn't on the pitch. Um, they get a penalty in the ninety third, fourth minute, and then Mark Noble gets subbed on to take the penalty because he scored ten in his last ten. So puts the ball down, steps up, misses the penalty. Lol. Anyway, <laughs> there's nothing else to say. I mean, to be fair, like I say, it was it was probably quite. It was an easy. It was an easy height. I think that's the that's the thing, yeah. isn't it? It wasn't exactly mm-hmm. Hurricane esque where he buries it into one of the corners or you know nothing like that. He he made himself very obvious where he was going to stick the ball, and that's the thing. You know, De Gea was given that opportunity to then dive to that side, and it, it was so straightforward. To be fair, whether he was lying on more power, I don't know. Thoughts? 
well, I think it was just very England-esque of the bringing players on in the last minute, fresh with all the pressure in the world and not having even jogged. That's the only time we touched the ball during that whole game. And its I don't think it's much of a coincidence that he scored 10 in 10 penalties and then missed the one that he's come on fresh for. He's 34 years old as well. Like He's, he's retiring this season. Yeah. Um, so I, I, just a bizarre decision. And Moyes defended it afterwards saying, look at his penalty record. But, I just think like stick Declan Rice on it or so this is what Jared I was going to ask you if you're the manager what would you do in that situation would you have somebody out out there who's an you know an experienced striker Declan Rice club captain etc these days would you have him step up to take the penalty knowing that the pressure of the captaincy is already on his shoulders and therefore you know he he needs you know he, he should be able to deal with this type of pressure is what, what I'm getting at would you have left it at something like that instead yeah, definitely. Like, there's there's no way those players have put their all into that game. And then you're just going to have Mark Noble come on to steal all the glory anyway, for one. And for two, just all that pressure on Mark Noble as well. It was, it was just unnecessary. I would have definitely had one of um, one of the players on the pitch take it, whether it was Yarmolenko or Declan Rice or Jared Bowen. Um, I think it undermines a lot of the players. Like, how bad can their penalties really be to have to do that? Yes. And then it's just ended up looking stupid anyway. Yeah, it's a fair point. I think Moyes is a great manager and obviously the fact that they got to where they were last year, but I think, um, yeah, tactically he's probably gotten that one uh, unfortunately wrong, but never mind. They uh, they will, I don't doubt that they're going to have a very good season. So anyway, we'll move on from there. That's probably one of the tougher games that they're going to have this year, um, especially with mm-hmm. Ronaldo firing Man United. Let's move on. Uh, Liverpool Palace. So Liverpool 3 Palace nil. The goals coming from Sadio Mane in the 43rd, uh, Salah in the 78. I think that's um, definitely made a few uh, fantasy football players, uh, fan- excuse me, FPL players uh, smile. Certainly myself because I needed the points. Um, and then Naby Keita in the 89th. So one assist, Virgil van Dijk. So what are we saying about the game? Wow. I mean, Naby Keita's goal was incredible, by the way. Um, you need to look it up if you haven't it seen it. It was in. Yeah. Absolute pinger of a volley, just absolutely. Uh, oh, um, so give you a minute, you are <laughs> so you watching that, yeah, 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 please. <laughs> I just, oh, I was a great goal, but the thing that struck me was, um, Liverpool looked great again, of course. Um, but so the Palace, Palace looked okay, they had the early chances, they could have had a penalty, yeah. um, they looked okay. It was a 3 0 scoreline, but it was, um, it was the typical kind of Liverpool 3 0 scoreline this season where they're just too good. Um, even though the team are quite That's yeah, and the, even though the other team are quite good. Yeah, exactly. Um, I expect Liverpool to be putting these teams away. Um, and they did, but there was a miss of the season from Jota. Uh, and I don't quite know how he's missed it, but he's in my fantasy team and he's ruined my life. Um and there was... by the looks of it as well. Let's not kid ourselves this week. You've not had a great one. Uh, oh, hold on. I've had the most points in all my leagues. You haven't checked the fantasy right. league recently yeah. either. Let's, let's, uh-huh. let's stick to the, what we're talking about. I'm just stating yeah. the point, you know. <laughs> we'll get back to that. We'll do a oh, fantasy no, actually, league podcast. I'll give you that. You've, you've yeah. scored 65 and I, oh, no, 68 now. It's just updated itself. And I'm on, oh, I'm on 67. I've had a reasonable one. Anyway. That's all right. Liverpool and Palace. <laughs> crack on. Yeah. Right. Okay. Yeah. And I think... Um, Radeveld uh, was out of position for two of the Liverpool goals, so there was a few there was a few defensive errors for them. But I'm not too worried about Palace and um, Liverpool look good. I just want to give a special shout out to James Milner, um, who's 
that there were some stats shown that he was number one for the passers, number one most touches, most sprints in the pitch during the game. Um, he he had a lot of number one for, I think there was some um, fitness stats and everything like that. He was number one for all of them. And I believe he's, um, I think he's 36 and he was covering at right back for Trent Alexander-Arnold. And it's just an unbelievable pro, just a seasoned pro. Um, and, you know, when you look at the uh, lineup, um, neither Trent or Robertson started and you think, OK, Simicast has played really well, so that's OK. But Milner at right back, is he going to get exposed by Zaha? No. And he just covered himself in glory. And it was... It was so here's one for you. Sorry to interrupt. Would you rather see Milner or Henderson in the England squad? <laughs> this is uh, this is dangerous territory with Liverpool listeners, Liverpool fan listeners. Um, well, they're both on the same team, aren't they? Ultimately, so but but for me, it's a case of actually Milner can he's he's so versatile. Now, don't get me wrong; he's played in so many. Different, he's almost like a, Phil, a modern day Phil Neville. <clears throat> excuse me, where mm. he, he can be any position. But for me, he's always been a great defensive midfielder. Um, now, I think the combination of, and, you know, we are massively digressing here. But for me, I, I can see, I see James Milner doing, you know, so much more for a team than Henderson personally. Yeah, I, I, yeah. I mean, well, like for England, though, I don't see Henderson ever starting an important game really for us. I see him coming on and seeing it out like he did during the Euros. Um, but it would be the same for Milner. I think he would just be around to cover positions right back, midfield, and bits like that. You're quite um, right, but I think he's just got like he's got a bit more about him. We've just been talking about his stats and things like that, and for me, there's just a bit more about him. But anyway, that that's a conversation topic for another time. Let's let's move on very briefly to. Uh, Villa versus Everton. So I think it's fair to say it was an unexpected scoreline, but at the same time, uh, one that absolutely throws it open, doesn't it? So I'll, I'll, I'll tell you where the goals came from. Matthew Cash in the 66th, uh, then Lucas Digne got the only goal for Everton. Unfortunately, it was an own goal. Um, and then Leon Bailey, who had a relatively good game as well, um, got uh, got his goal in the 75th. Uh, two assists, one from Douglas Louise and from one from Danny Ings. Obviously, Danny Ings there showing his worth as the as the guy that's coming in from um, well for quite big money. I think it's fair to say in the uh, within the Villa camp. So, um, what are your thoughts on this game? How did it look? I well, I watched it, um, and there's a, there's a few points that are very important. Um, Everton had a lot of injuries. They already had Calvert-Lewin out. And then yesterday they lost Pickford, Richarlison um, and Seamus Coleman, which was, a, which was a struggle at right back for them because they're already struggling at right back. Um, if my uncles are listening, Everton season ticket holders, I did tell them they should sign Matty Cash from Forest a few years ago. They laughed at me. Um, and he scored his first goal in Villa, uh, Villa Colours in the 66th minute. It was a great goal. And I'm so proud to have uh, seen him score his first Premier League goal and really happy for him because that's what he wanted Premier League football um, and he started off the, uh, the scoring and what you what you uh, need to know here is Leon Bailey came on he played 21 minutes of football he came on um, around the 60 minute mark um, <clears throat> he came on he got the assist for Dini's own goal so it was his corner that Dini headed him um, and then he scored and then he got booked for taking his top off and then he went off injured so he came on, 20 minutes, goal assist and a yellow card. And that was it. <laughs> I mean, there's there's levels of efficiency, isn't there? Let's be honest. 
real levels and he's a he's a cult hero now i've got some villa fans on my twitter and they absolutely love him and he looked incredible like he changed the game and the assist from ings as well oh it was an outside of the boot lofted um ball through from i think inside his own half um and leon bailey just finished it off and it was incredible and uh dino had a nightmare five minutes it was him who let cash past him to score he just whizzed past um, he scored the own goal that corner came from um, a Matty Cash cross as well so it was just 20 minutes of just great play by Cash and Bailey and a bit of a nightmare for Dina but um, yeah like you said a bit of an unexpected scoreline overall but with Everton's injuries I think um, and that's where it's come from and they just looked looked a bit out of place Ben Godfrey was covering at right back when he's a centre half and they didn't really have a striker Salomon Rondon was quiet and then he came off and I think they were alternating between the wingers so I'm sure they'll come back to strength after they've got their um, their full roster So the issue that I have with with Everton is they want to be in the big you know the top six if you like they want to be in those European spots now we saw it for great periods of last season where Liverpool their depth in squad wasn't great at all, but they still found a way of, of getting into the top four. Everton need to do the same if they want to be that club that's in in Europe, quite quite honestly. And yeah, they might have injuries, but at the same time, they, they need to find a way of, of, of beating teams like Villa, which, you know, no, no, absolutely no disrespect to Villa, but Everton, are, you would typically, typically see them finishing higher up you would envision when the league starts, Everton would be higher up in the league than uh, than Villa. It happened last season, for example, I believe. Yeah, I think they were actually. Um, so yeah, I agree. I don't think that you would typically expect um, Villa to finish above Everton, but they've only just come into the Premier League, and the way they're uh, the way they're building a team with that Jack Grealish <laughs> money, I think they'll get stronger and stronger. <laughs> Oh really? <laughs> so it wasn't that eleventh. <laughs> so go. they weren't that far away from each other. No, but uh, I think they're both two teams that are looking to get stronger and are. And I think if Everton do, I mean, it's a big, it's a, it's a big amount to have Richarlison, Calvert Lewin, Seamus Coleman, and Pickford out all at the same time. And Villa yeah. just got Martinez and Buendia back, so they were differing a little bit. And um in fortunes but yeah like you say uh, they need to grind out results as well it looked like it was going that way where where they were going to grind out a point but then Villa just turned it on for 10-15 minutes and yeah. there was no way back for Everton really right well let's uh, let's move on and very swiftly let's give ourselves 20 seconds to talk about the City Southampton game um not great Boring, <clears throat> boring, um, and City had one shot on target, which isn't uh, an, like an associated statistic with them. I think no. the main key point was um, Walker um, committed a foul, much like the one on Ronaldo today, but it was kind of stood up. He hooked his leg around him, fouled the player, um, and got sent off, and it was a penalty. Um, and as he was walking off and kind of debating it, the referee went to the monitor um, and overturned overturned his decision um and <laughs> it was I, i'm pretty sure yeah he didn't even give a penalty so he overturned the red card he overturned the penalty and waved play on it was a stonewall penalty um not a red card that was correct not to give a red card it was strange that he did in the first place but he didn't even give a penalty it was a stonewall decision so we're still seeing bits of var that are just just baffling like even yeah. the ronaldo foul before like it's just 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 what are you doing 
Not quite adding up, is it? Well, like I said, let's move swiftly on uh, to a team that are trying to really put a stamp on the fact that they come up this season. Wolves 0, Brentford 2. Um, lots and lots of uh, yellows and reds in this one. Well, one one red uh, to Baptiste, uh, obviously, who plays for Wolves. But Ivan Tony from a penalty, and uh, I'm going to get his name wrong, but uh, Brian and Bemu. Go on, tell me I've got that one right. You've got it wrong, and Baptiste plays for Brentford as well, not Wolves. <laughs> Well, who did I say? You said Baptiste, who obviously plays for Wolves. Oh, yeah, obviously. <laughs> <Denver. laughs> Got that completely the wrong way around. Sorry, uh, <laughs> it, it, something just popped up on the screen that really confused me for a second. So, yeah, anyway, very nice of you. Uh, yeah, anyway, thank you for correcting me. Wool. Uh, you know what, I've just done it again there. Brentford. Um, go on. I know you've got a few things that you want to go into this. Ivan Tony had a bit of a worldie, didn't he? Oh, he's an incredible, he's, he's becoming a real um, pro striker. My biggest mistake was taking him out my fantasy team. I saw that he was doing, I know, everything that a striker should hold up play um, and creating chances. And I thought, oh, he's creating more chances than he's taking. And last week, Mbwemo missed a lot of chances um, Tony gave to him. So I thought I'd take him out. But then, of course, he or he should have had a hat-trick. Well, he shouldn't have had a hat-trick. The, two of his goals were disallowed. One was a handball, one was offside. Obviously, the linesman just didn't raise the flag, even though it was so obviously offside. Um but yeah, he scored, he took uh, took away his penalty. And then shortly after, he laid one on a plate to Mbwemo, who did put it away this time. Um, and then Brentford just looked comfortable. And Baptiste got a stupid red card in the 64th minute. It was just Five ridiculous. Minutes. Yeah, you, you've obviously lost your head at that point, haven't you? And uh, yeah, it's, it's not great. It's it's not great at all. You, you need to, someone obviously needed to take him to one side and just say, okay, just give yourself give yourself a minute. Yeah, it's the same as the um, it's the same as the Tanganga and the Antonio yeah. situation. Like you just need to. It was a bad challenge the first one, and then the second one was just a rugby tackle, and it was in his own half that he didn't need to do. It was just it was just stupid. Like you, your team's two 0 up. Um, someone's in running away from your own half, and you want to try and rugby tackle him when you've just got a yellow card. Just no point. But um, Brentford looked comfortable, and I see them. Yeah, I think I had them at fourteen for something in my predictions, and I safely see them doing that if not higher. Yeah, I think that's a fair point. Well, let's um, let's again go very swiftly on, and I mean, I want to spend about ten seconds on this one: Burnley, Burnley, and Arsenal. You know what? I'll give Odegaard his dues. It was a good free kick. It was, um, but Arsenal were boring, uninspiring. Burnley had more shots, and let's move to the next game. <laughs> yeah, fair enough. Okay, on to a game that had, uh, it's fair to say, four times as many goals. In uh, Norwich 1, Watford 3. A very good game indeed for Watford, really turned up, um, which is always nice to see, again, from a promoted team. So, uh, well, it's loading up at the moment. So, you know, I know that you're very... You know, did you want to go into too much about this game? Because, it, you know, on the scoreline, it flatters maybe the game. Yeah, I mean, well, no, I, I don't want to spend all my life on two teams that are probably going to get relegated. But, I mean, <laughs> Emmanuel... <laughs> well, they probably... I mean, um, Watford might not. I had higher hopes for Norwich, but they just looked lacklustre yesterday. Um, Emmanuel Dennis looked really good. Yeah. <laughs> really good game. Um, 
Definitely. I mean, Emmanuel Dennis looked really good yesterday. He got a good, uh, a good goal, good-headed goal, and he um, he put a ball through to Saar that he couldn't quite put away, but it was a spectacular ball. Um, and then, yes, yeah, Saar scored two goals. Looked awesome. Too good for um, Watford. Probably will get purchased in the summer when they go down. Uh, surprised that he didn't already. Um, there was a shocker from McLean for one of Saar's goal, um, and Pukki's back on the on the goal, so he'll be oh, interesting yeah, to keep yeah. an eye out for. Because well, I don't think, I think Norwich... No, go on, finish what you were going to say. No, I was just going to say, I think Norwich have got a good few fixtures coming up, so they might have opportunities to get back in the goals. But Watford at home, 3-1, shouldn't really be losing that heavily to them. So I was literally about to say, um, with uh, with Saar, and, and you kind of glanced through it quite nicely there with the fact that, you know, you were surprised that he didn't snap, get snapped up. And we are going to talk about this a little bit later on. Um, is he underrated? Yeah, like, yeah. I mean, no, I, <laughs> when he first came, everyone kind of went, wow, Watford, like, because they signed him when they were in the Premier League and everyone kind of, well, we've heard of him. He's a good player. Um, and then he did look good that first season. He's still quite young. He did well in the Championship. Um, everyone was still, like, surprised that he was down there. And I think he might have been a bit surprised himself as to how, how quite difficult that league is because he looks better now that he's in the Premier League again. Um, so, yeah, I think he definitely should be at a bigger club. And I think... You know, the top four clubs will be sniffing around him when Watford inevitably don't do so well. The issue I have with him is he's he's all right, you know, he's he's, he's got some talent to him, but he will get, um, I don't think he'll go top four. I think he'll potentially go to a top 10, um, a top 10 club, but I, I think he'll just be left on the bench. I think he'll be forgotten about. I think he'll be one of those players that, unless he has an absolute worldie of a season, which again, is he in the right team for it? Um Will he get forgotten about if he just goes to, like, for example, mm-hmm. Mares went to um, went to Man City after having a wonderful season at Leicester. Now he's forced his way into the squad. You know, arguably irreplaceable. Now he's just that good. But you could quite easily have seen him getting lost throughout the ranks, go on loan, forgotten about from the Premier League altogether. Would that happen to Saar? It's a good point. Yeah, I was thinking about this with Mares. I sometimes think, could your career have been a lot better? But I remember after they won the league, Leicester, Mares started to slow down a lot um, in that Leicester team. And if he hadn't gone to Man City, it might have slowed down even more. So he, it's it's hard to cover when you don't when you when you haven't got the facts in front of you. Things okay. might go differently for players. But I mean, if you put Saar into Man City. Um, and give him 60 minutes. I mean, they were shocking this weekend, but if, they, if he had 60 minutes in a in a Man City team against Norwich at home, he's probably going to score a hat-trick and look amazing. I mean, so, let's be honest, it, that's one player that the Donuts need at the moment is another bloody winger. But, you know... Oh, wow. Let's, let's move away <laughs> from that one. Um, Newcastle leads, one all. Um, gutted, obviously, from my side of things because we looked better than them for great spells of the game. Uh, and it was a very, very interesting goal from Rafinha. I did see it um, and I saw some Maximum's goal as well. And to be fair, two great goals, two great players. How they've not been, how some Maximum, because he's been, you know, been in the Premier League longer than, Raf, uh, than Rafinha, how he's not been snapped up by a, I'm going to probably disrespect a few people at a bigger club than Newcastle. It is, <laughs> It, you know, it is it's surprising, you know, one of those players you do expect to go somewhere, um, whether that was overseas to a big club or, um, or for one of our big clubs to have to go in. But it, it was a great game, you know, assist from Joel Linton and Patrick Bamford. So all in all, not bad. 
yeah, I, I enjoyed the game. It was Friday. I got a few beers out, just finished work. So I was happy to sit down and watch it. And yeah, I mean, St. Maximan and Rafinha just ran the show. Two of the best wingers outside of the top six. Um, Sam Maximan is absolutely incredible. When that Newcastle team looks like it's not going to be doing anything, he just creates something out of nothing. That his goal was almost like the Aguero goal against QPR. It was just Pass player, player, player. And every time I, I had Aylin in my fantasy team, and every time Sam Maximan was on the ball, I was just like, oh, here, here goes this clean sheet. And it yeah. was just, it was a matter of when, not not how. And he could have scored more. He could have got an assist. I think it was Matt Ritchie who hit the post. Um, and then Rafinha looked great. And that Rodrigo dummy for his goal should go, um, shouldn't go unmentioned because it was very clever and it, it stumped Carl Darlow. And oh, Rafinha yeah. just looked yeah, big time. And Rafinha just looked awesome on the ball. Every time he got the ball, cutting in on that left, um, he probably he took it around a few players as well. He probably should have released it a bit quicker, but that'll come as well. And Rafinha and Sam Maximum, both still young and both have got a lot of room to to improve. And I think they'll both get snapped up by big clubs in the future. Yeah, I, I totally agree. I think the only thing that I've got that's a bit of an issue with Leeds at the moment is we get stumped when, and I'm not saying that Newcastle did, but when people park, when teams park the bus, we really do struggle. We Patrick Bamford can't slag him off at all. He's a great goal scorer and obviously proved his worth um, in the Premier League last year with 17 goals. But we, we need another striker to really challenge him, make him better in that squad because, you know, I think there's a level of, I'm not going to say laziness to his game at times, but because he's such a good player, but we need somebody else that's just another focal point in the team, another great striker to be able to just you know, get balls over to him for. Um, but anyway, we need to move on. Spurs, well, this is the last game of today, wasn't it? Um, Spurs zero, Chelsea three. Great game from Chelsea. Efficient, clinical. Um, it should have been six or seven, quite honestly. The amount of chances that Chelsea had. Spurs were just appalling once again. Tactics not working. Goals from Thiago Silva and Golo Kante. And Rudiger, uh, here's one for you, though. Is Rudiger an underrated player oh absolutely he's a european champion he's um <clears throat> the, their whole defense is it's not even underrated i think everyone knows how good their team is now and i think um i saw the first half it was very lackluster from chelsea and spurs came out straight on the attack straight on the press um and i kind of thought well is this what teams are doing now um against chelsea are they looking to just press them and see what they can do and push them back rather than let them have the ball um, because I saw Aston Villa do it the other week and Aston Villa lost 3-0 to Chelsea so it was the same scoreline and I think that's Chelsea's kind of way of just clicking their fingers in the second half and they just absolutely mauled them and Spurs looked like they'd given up towards the end but Chelsea looks Chelsea looks quality. They're winning the league. I said it from the start. They're winning the league. I wouldn't be surprised if they won the Champions League. They're just a complete team. And even Lukaku didn't get on the score sheet today. It was Silva, Kante and Rudiger, which are just not players you'd expect to score. They had Werner come off the bench. They had they could afford to take Mount and Havertz off. who just weren't having that much of a good game yeah. to bring on the likes of Werner. Do you know what I mean? Like, and keep Lukaku on. They've just got a lot of depth. Um, and yeah, they're just the best team in the league for me. Uh, as uh, The other game today was Brighton-Leicester, which was 2-1 to Brighton, by the way, but we didn't watch that. Neither of us did. No. Um, so I just wanted to say how surprising it is that Brent Brighton are doing so well and how poor Leicester are doing. That's yeah, what I've got to say on that game. They've really followed on from last year, it's fair to say. They're currently sitting fourth to Brighton. 
um, on 12 points. I mean, they're only one point behind uh, United, Liverpool and Chelsea. I'll <clears throat> mm. be the goal difference is significantly uh, different. Um, when to win. Really, they're really having a good time at the moment. So Chelsea on 11 goals, um, Liverpool on 11 as well, United on nine. And then um, City, who sit in fifth, obviously, with that draw not helping them, uh, they have 10 as well. I mean, you know, when, when City turn it on, they turn it on, you know, un, undeniably so. But Chelsea and Liverpool and United, arguably, they're, they're efficient teams and they're just, they're just winning games at the moment. OK, young boys is a bit of a different, but, you know, in the Premier League, it, you know, it's working. Yeah, definitely. I think um, I think Liverpool have had the easier run of fixtures between them and Chelsea. So I think Chelsea will. I think Chelsea have got City next week. So we'll really see what the two teams are made out of then. Chelsea will win that game. Yeah, I think so as well. I think they'll win that game. Um, and I think it'll be a bit of a stalemate until the second half, like the last few games have been for Chelsea. Um, but it was just signified for me when Chelsea went to Anfield and had to play with 10 men for a whole half and they couldn't get broken down. I, yeah, I just think Chelsea have got it. I mean, I had Liverpool at fourth to start the season. Maybe they might jump up to third or second, but I, I just see Chelsea winning the league and maybe more. Ah, uh, you know what? I've, I've tipped United to win the league just because I think they've just about got enough. And I think, you know, with the players that they've got, they're one of the best goal scorers in the history of the game. Um, well, technically the best goal scorer in the history of the game. He will, uh, I think he's going to do some serious damage. If we're yet to really see what they're like against a top six team or a top four team. So I think that'll be an interesting one. But um, let's move on to another subject matter. And this is one for the listeners. We wanted people to rank the wingers outside the top six. We've got four wingers for you. And Callum, I want to throw this one at you. We've got Rafinha, obviously at Leeds. Uh, St. Maximum, uh, or St. Maximum. Can't, no, I've just said the same name twice there, never mind. Um, St. Maximum, third time lucky, uh, who plays obviously for Newcastle, who, well, the two of them had great weeks this week. Traore, of course, for Wolves, and Sarah Watford. Who is the best winger out of that bunch? Because they're all fantastic wingers. They prove themselves so well. They are, yeah. I think um, <laughs> I think I can give a top four in order, um, and I think I've got reason for it as well. So I'm going to put Sar at the bottom just because of that kind of I need to see more from him. But I think he is incredible, and he can out. He's out doing Watford. We've discussed him. He's had his championship time, which wasn't so impressive, but he's looking good again in the Premier League. He's got a bit of everything. Um, and then I'd have Traore at third based on his end products. Um, when he got the ball the other day against Brentford, every time he got the ball, it, was, it looked like something was going to happen. It's kind of like that same Maximan thing where you think something's going to happen, something's going to happen. He's, he's opening the game up, he's going to lace one off and then he'll just put a cross in that goes over everyone's head or he'll miss kick in, he'll go out for a goal kick. Um, he's just not got the end product. And for years we've been saying he's got everything uh, that end product will come and it's still not come, but he's still, he's still one that makes something happen in the game for Wolves. Um, second, I'd have, and it's quite close, but I'd have Rafinha. I think um, he's got everything. He's got everything that he needs. He's got pace, he's got agility, he's got, <laughs> he knows where the goal is, he can lay players off, he makes things happen all the time. But Sam Maximan for me has all that, but there's an inevitability to Sam Maximan. You just know that he's going to influence the game no matter what. Like even if Newcastle are doing poorly, he'll he'll score a goal, he'll lay off an assist, he'll he'll get something. Um, and he did that. <clears throat> he did, he scored. He, he was involved in the goal that Newcastle scored against United, even though they got 
beat badly. He scored that goal against Leeds. He's just, you he will be involved in almost everything that Newcastle do. And I think he's, yeah, I think he's one of the best wingers in the league and he definitely deserves to be looked at by the likes of Liverpool, City, Chelsea and Man United, really. I do think, if I'm being honest, that if Liverpool were to get rid of Salah, the cheap option for them would would, would be to go for him, to, to tell you the truth. Um, mm. Salah would be absolutely, you know, we're going to make some money on him. If he was to go to Madrid, Barcelona, you can see him going away from the Premier League and just trying his craft uh, somewhere else. But <clears throat> I do think that that would be a cheaper... Why bother... I mean, they've been linked with Mbappe for a while, have Liverpool... Uh, whether that's going to happen, I don't think, well, nobody knows, but it feels like it could do. Um, but I think that's pretty certain to go, he's pretty certain to go to Real Madrid. Which other wingers would you, would you really look at? You know, St Maximum knows the Premier League. Yes, he's not the big name, but he's a big fish in a small pond when it comes to the players in Newcastle. Yeah, definitely. I mean, I think he, yeah, I think he's the best one out there. And imagine if, um, imagine if Mane and Salah started to move on um, early 30s and started to look a bit lacklustre. And then you just brought in Rafinha and San Maximan. Oh, your strikers, your Let's striker not talk about eaten. Rafinha in the same sense as moving <laughs> away from Leeds, all right? It's inevitable, it's inevitable because the only thing that keeps, I think, a lot of players at Leeds is the fact that we've got such an amazing style of football these days and also a world-class coach. Mm, yeah, and I think um, I think that's something Newcastle are crying out for as well. That style of play. I think I saw a few interviews from them on the Friday night football, and they were saying they 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 like kind of expect to be in that bottom half. They don't expect to be fighting for Europe. Yeah. But they just want to watch entertaining, exciting football, and they're not getting that with Steve Bruce. So if they did get a manager that was exciting, uh, Bielsa, um, Sam Maximan would thrive. Um, but put Sam Maximan in a big team with big players and a manager that can do that as well, then he will, he'll be one of the best players in the league, I think. Yeah, I think it's fair to say that when Jota moved to Liverpool, a few, it definitely raised a few eyebrows. But at the same time, last season he had a brilliant season um, and you kind of expected that to flow into this season as well. And it just happens occasionally, you know, big players, well, big players from small, not small teams, but you know what I mean, from teams that are lower down the league will move to big clubs and all of a sudden they just, they can turn it on. They get the, they get the quality that they needed, you know. Yeah, once they're surrounded with quality, then they just become quality. And if they've got that sort of potential, then they will they will turn it on. I was I was looking at Jota and Ruben Neves when they were in the championship and they were just they had that Wolves model with the Portuguese kind of thing. Forrest tried to copy it a few seasons after. And when Jota and Neves were coming through at Wolves, I thought I had them both for my fantasy team for their first their first um, first season in the Premier League. And then, yeah, <clears throat> Jota was kind of in and out. So when he moved to Liverpool, I knew that he had the potential and obviously they've unlocked it quite quickly. Um, he's been a bit quiet for the last few games, but we know what he's capable of. of so, yeah. Yeah. No, I think that's a, uh, it's a very fair point, but um, I think we need to do a few more of these, to be honest with you. Let's compare a few of the, the players that people might not typically have heard of that do influence games because... There are loads out there, quite simply. I mean, we were talking about um, one of the Palace pe uh, players last week who uh, who assisted. Conor Gallagher. That's the, I thought it was something like that. And uh, it, it was just one of those times where you think to yourself, we bang on about Ronaldo, we bang on about so many other players. You know, there are so many other players that are in the Premier League bubble that are underrated. So we'll do that a bit more. Um, right then, I think we'll call it quits there today, but thank you everybody for listening. Um, it's quite a long one, so I appreciate you all uh, taking the time to uh, to listen to us, whether it's in a car, on a walk, whatever it might be, sat at home, working, whatever. Thank you so much for listening to Footy Rambles. Until next time. <laughs>